Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So anybody want to guess what we're talking about today? (laughs) Um, We are in the middle of this series called The ABCs of Financial Freedom. And it's based on um, Barry Cameron's book by that title. And uh, as Vanessa said in the video announcements, we do still have some of these books available. We are giving them away. This is so important. It's so helpful. It is so connected, really, as we're going to see today, so connected to your spiritual growth and your spiritual life um, that we want everybody to get a copy. So the books are free. Did it, how many, have you picked up your book? Everybody, how many's got a book? Okay, come on, don't be shy. How many are reading their book? Okay, good. Because if you get the book and you don't read it, it really isn't going to do you much good. Um, the second thing that comes with it is the workbook. Now we're asking, well, we're asking, we're charging $3 for the workbook. And that's because we want you to make some investment in there. Here's where you do the work. Here's where you're going to learn how to put the principles into practice in your own life. So if you haven't, now some of you, we ran out of these books actually last, uh, last, last two weeks, we ran out of them, uh, by the time we got to the the noon service. So if you picked up one of the, um, photocopied versions of chapter one or chapter two, we got more, you can turn that in, you can pick up the full workbook and we encourage you to do that. And if you haven't yet get them both. And this whole thing, it's really, it's, it's a holistic approach. It's not just about giving. It's not just about budgeting. It's not just about getting out of debt. Um, it's really a holistic approach, a look at your finances, because your heavenly father wants you to live in freedom in every aspect of your life, including your finances. And as we looked at last week, when we mismanage our funds, when we mismanage our finances, we end up in the bondage of debt. And you were never meant to be, live that way. And, and so uh, it's so integrally. In fact, as we look at it today, you're going to see how, how connected these two things are. Jesus talked more about your finances and money than any other subject because he knows the truth. That where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Now, primarily I'm speaking to... Um, uh, to Christ followers. And if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, um, these are still biblical principles. They are still truth. They're not easy. They're going to stretch you, but they will give you some solid footing for your finances. But if you are a Christ follower, <clears throat> this is incredibly important. So if you've missed any of these weeks, if this is your first time here, um, I encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast, watch the video cast online. Because um, you got to get the A, you got to get the B before you can get to the C. Um, and today we're talking about the C. Um, a was all about attitude. And, and, and most of us, at least in theory, would agree that God is gracious and God is generous and all that we have comes from Him and He really is the owner and we are the managers. In theory, we buy that, okay? And that's A, that's the attitude. B, last week we talked about bondage, the bondage specifically of debt and why it's so important to get out of that and some ways out of that. And then today we're talking about C, which is choice. And the choice specifically that we're going to talk about is the choice of generosity. It is one of our core values. Um, We have it on posters and signs all around here, one of our five core values, because we want to be a generous church. And when we're able to do things like walk for water and the dollar club and uh, give back into our community and use the resources God's provided us to, to serve our community, we want to be able to do that. But we can only be a generous church if each of us as individuals make the choice of generosity. 
So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to be actually looking at two different passages. Because the two big questions when it comes to this choice of generosity is why and how. And Jesus gives us the why in Matthew chapter 6. And Paul gives us the how in 1 Corinthians 16. So we're going to look at two different passages. And we're going to start with this whole idea of why. Why should I choose to be generous? Why does it matter? What's the whole point in all of this? So if you want to turn and follow along or if you just want to listen, here's what Jesus said. It's recorded in Matthew's gospel chapter 6. In fact, actually... Pretty much all of chapter 6 is all about finances. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, Or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So the question is why? What is Jesus saying here? Why is this so important? Why choose to live a generous life? First off, I think because Jesus says it's an investment in eternity. It's an investment in eternity. Look at what he writes here. He says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, in other words, that's temporary. Whatever you do with your, with your treasure here on earth, it's all temporary. And it's not going to last. It's going to break down. It's going to fall apart. It's going to rot. It's, gonna, it, it's not going to last. And even if, even if you could put it in some hermetically sealed container to preserve it, you still run the risk of someone breaking in and stealing it. It's temporary. But he goes on and he says, Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's permanent. Now, this really came home to me. Um, I've made about nine trips now to Uganda. And the very, very first trip I made, um, I, I, I had the opportunity to go to one of their home churches. And it was just a simple mud hut. Um, basically, two rooms only separated by a, some kind of a, a curtain. And it wasn't even a really nice curtain. But, and, and it separated the sleeping area from the, the living area or the entertaining area. And so a bunch of us squeezed into this little round mud hut and, uh, and, and just had some time worship and singing. I didn't know any of the words because it was all in Swahili. Um, but it was just a spirit of worship there. And, and just um, all of it. it was just a great time. And then I had the chance to do some teaching there. And, and when we finished, that was just like, I, you know, I wanted to take a picture of the group. So we came outside the mud hut. And we were standing outside. And I'm trying to get everybody in. So I wanted to take a picture of this group and these people that I had met. And the hostess uh, was actually a widow. She had like four kids. Um, and she was the one hosting this. And as I'm trying to get the group together to, for this group picture, she's over on the side. and She's scattering seed to feed the chickens. And I'm trying to get her attention. I said, come on, I want, I want to get you in the picture. But she's, and I'm coming, why is she scattering seed? This is not that I mean. And so the chickens start to gather around. She reaches down, swoops with her one hand, grabs the legs of one chicken, brings it over to me and places it in my hands. I don't know if you've ever tried to get a visa for a chicken. They don't make any such thing. So here I am. I've got this chicken. It was given to me generously, but I can't take it with me. So I turned to my interpreter. and I said, no, I, I, 
I can't take this. I mean, she's hardly got anything, and, and I can't take it home. I can't take it. What, what do I do with it? He said, can I give it back to her? He said, no, you can't do that. That would be an insult. I said, well, what can I do? He said, well, you can pass it on to somebody else. So I gave it to him. <laughs> I don't know if that was really the custom, but it worked out really good for him. But here's the thing. It's real easy to do that with a chicken. It's much harder when we do it with our own finances, but the truth is still the truth. You will not take it with you. It was given to you generously. You will not, you cannot take it with you, but you can pass it on to someone else. In all of the trips that I have taken now over the years, I have got three chickens. Actually, this last trip, we got two turkeys. We just, we went up. This is, these are the turkeys that were given to us. Um, Betty's turkey is a little shy. He's hiding his head there. But um, in all the trips now, I've gotten three chickens, two turkeys, and four goats. Yeah, I got my own little farm going, you know. Not one of them did I bring home with me. Because you can't take it with you. It's been given generously to you, but you can't take it with you. You can pass it on to someone else. That's investing in eternity. Because when you invest in God's work, when you invest in people, when you see changed lives, when you see baptisms like we have today, that is the the eternal investment. And that's what Jesus says. First off, it's an investment in eternity. Secondly, it'll redirect your heart. It will redirect your heart. He goes on. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A number of years ago, I actually got the opportunity to own some stock in Apple. Okay? Not a lot, but I got a little bit of Apple stock. Every day, I check to see how the stock is doing. In fact, I got a little app for it. It shows up for me every time. And just Apple made that just for my iPhone. So, I could, so now I talk about Apple products and I like and I promote Apple products and I check Apple stock. Why? Because it's got a little piece of my heart. And that's true with you too. The things that you spend your money on are a piece of your heart. If you went home today and took out and looked at your bank statements and your checking account and all that thing and you listened and, and took a really hard look at where your money goes... It is a real good indicator of your heart. That's what Jesus said. It is a biblical principle. So if you want to redirect, if you want to deepen your heart for God, if you want to redirect your heart more towards God, Jesus says the way that you do that is you give and you give generously because it'll redirect your heart. Third thing is you'll end up putting God first. He goes on. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other Or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And every one of us, when we read that, think, I'll be the first one to be able to do it. But he says, you can't. It's impossible. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The greatest competition for your heart that God has is not Satan. It's your wallet. It's your bank account. That is the greatest competitor. That's what Jesus said. So redirecting your heart, putting God first, all of those things. That's why we do it. That's what Jesus is saying. There's a reason to choose generosity. So how do you do it? Well, Paul tells us how. Now, here, let me, before I go a little bit further, this is very, very important because I think most Americans think they are generous. I think most American Christians think 
they are generous because we respond to need. There's, there's a hurricane and people are, are, are in need. And so we give to that and we move in that direction. And, and we, we, we sponsor a walk for water to, to drill deep, clean water wells in Uganda. And people respond to that. Above and beyond our goal of six, we ended up with eight wells to be able to drill. Those are really, really good things. Our dollar club is really good. And we look at all these things and we say, wow, we are generous. But here's the problem. We are not. We're pretty good givers. But we're not generous. And there is a difference between giving and generosity. Because giving can be spontaneous. But when it's spontaneous, it's often sporadic too. Generosity. Generous people plan. They plan to be generous. It's not spontaneous. It's not sporadic. It is consistent and it is intentional. And so that's why Paul gives some instruction on how do you do that? How do you, how do you truly become generous? Now, let me also say one more thing. I'm a little torn as I talk about this because many of you in this room understand this. You get this. You have seen how it works in your own life. And you have been a planned giver for a long time now. And, and truthfully, we would not be the church that we are today. We would not be able to do the things that we're able to do as a church today. Had there not been all along the way, those of you who have found what it is to live a generous life and have given so faithfully so that we can do the things that we're able to do and, and continue to grow as a church. Okay, So I'm a little torn on it. Because I know so many of you that do get this, but I also know that most of us do not. Most of us do not. Statistically, just statistically, compared with um, what the average income is in our area and, and what that would look like, it just statistically, it doesn't, it doesn't come through. So you got to make the choice, and you make the choice. And here's how Paul wrote about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 Verses 1 through 3. He says, now, about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. In other words, this is applicable all the way around. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. Now, There was a specific need that was going on there. A church in Jerusalem uh, was the first to begin to experience persecution. And so many of them uh, in that church were in need. They were struggling. And and so the the, the specific need was to help those who were hurting, help those who were needy in the Jerusalem church. But there was a greater thing that was involved in that. In their giving, it would also expand the ministry and further God's kingdom. It would also unite these churches, the Jewish churches, Christians and the Gentile Christians together because they're in this common, um, this common kingdom that they're trying to advance, God's kingdom in this world. And so it had all kinds of other ramifications to it. And so what he says is, here's how you do it. On the first day of the week, you take up a collection, you set it aside so that you don't have to take a separate collection. You just you plan ahead of time. So here's how you do it. The first thing, how do you become more generous? You make it a priority. You make it a priority. This is what he says, on the first day of every week. Now, that's the day that they would gather together. It's the day that we gather together. But there's a principle that's all the way through Scripture, and it's all about putting God first. You make it a priority. 
Um, Proverbs 3, 9, we looked at this verse last week. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. In other words, God first. And you find this principle all throughout Scripture. God comes first. The idea is that you pre-decide to do this. It's what Jesus talked about. It was actually in the context of money and finances that he said, seek first the kingdom of God. How do you honor God with your wealth? How do you seek first the kingdom of God? By investing in his kingdom. And it's a priority for you. Secondly, it's planned. You make it planned. He goes on. He says, each of you should set aside a sum of money. In other words, you've thought it through. It wasn't that you got together that first day of the week, that Sunday morning, and you opened up your wallet and say, oh, gosh, okay, well, I can give some of this. He said, no, no, you plan for it. You set it aside in advance so that you have a plan. Here's the thing, by the way. Everybody has a plan. Whether you know it or not, whether you formalize your plan, and most Americans, in fact, most American Christians, their plan is, I live on what I got. And if I can set some aside, I'll save. And then if there's any left over, I'll give. And we got it all backwards. It's not how God's economy works. It's priority. And it's plan. Think about this. Isn't it true that everything good that happens in your life requires some kind of a plan? I mean, think about that. You want to lose weight? You, you, you plan your diet better. You, you plan exercise. You want to get in shape. All these things, you have to have a plan because it doesn't happen by accident. So it's a priority, but it's also planned. See, everything good in life requires some kind of a plan to it. Because left to ourselves and drift, that usually leads to bad. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't plan your diet, if you don't think about your diet and you just eat junk food and all that kind of thing, that, that, that leads to bad stuff. When we drift, we drift toward the bad. When we plan, we move toward the good. So you make a plan. And thirdly, you make it a percentage. Now, we talked about this last week. So this is what he says. He says, you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, which means everybody can do this. It's a percentage. It's depending on what your income is. Because nobody in this room, we don't all make the same amount of money. And that's why it's not a dollar figure. It's not a a shekel figure, if you will. It's a percentage, whatever it is. And the percentage, we talked about this last week, kind of the the 10-10 um, you might remember, we took out, okay, every, every month we get a certain amount of these. I got 10 ones here. So what I do is the first 10, 10%, I set aside for God. The second 10%, I save for myself. And then I live on realistically and, and I pay off my debt with the 80% that's left over. Now, somebody asked me, where do you get that 10% deal? Where did you come up with that? It's all through Scripture. It's all through Scripture. And some people say, well, we're not under the law. We're not in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament, too. It goes all the way back to Abraham. Abraham tithed a 10%. And that's what the tithe means, by the way. It means 10%, a tenth part. Abraham tithed back to God. Jacob, after his experience um, uh, at Bethel, he tied back to God. 
Moses codified it through the law. The prophets talked about it over and over and over again. In fact, the very last book of the Old Testament, Malachi the prophet, he spoke about it. He wrote about it. It's it's right here. Um, Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. He says, do this. Do this. That's what the tithe is. The whole tithe is 10%. It's a tenth part of my income. It is something that Betty and I have done even before we got married, and it has been a part of our monthly budget ever since. And we do it priority. We do it plan. And, And here's the thing. Our lives have become so much richer because of it. And not always in a financial way, but just in so many other ways, God has enriched our lives. And I truly believe it's because of our learning to be generous. So he says, you bring the whole tithe, the whole 10%. Now, sometimes I've said to people, listen, if your finances are really, really stretched right now and you don't think you can do this, start somewhere, okay? And I've said that before and I still believe that, but the trouble is sometimes people start somewhere and then they stay somewhere, okay? Um, So 2% is not the tithe, 5% is not the tithe, 7% is not the tithe, 10% is the tithe. And he says, bring the whole tithe. See, that's where the true blessing of God comes. That's how God's economy works. And this is not a, this is not a, a Ponzi scheme. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. This is simply coming in line with God's economy. So he says, to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And the storehouse was the temple. You bring it in the, because the priests and Levites had no share of the inheritance. They didn't have property of their own. They had no means of caring for themselves. They had no means for, for funding the temple work. And so all of that came from the giving of the people of the tent. And then that's what they would live on, and that's what they would do the ministry with, and that's how the church and the, uh, the temple would function. So he says, you bring it all into the storehouse. So that means, I believe, to my local church. And we have done this all of our lives. Whatever church we have been a part of, we have always tithed the 10% to our local church. Now, there's other things that we, there's other causes, there's other missions, there's other things that we support. And so that we call offerings. That's above and beyond the tithe. I tithe to my local church. I, I, I give offerings to other projects and other um, things that have my heart. And we sponsor now seven kids in Uganda. And, and, and other missions that we have supported over the years. But we believe the tithe always goes back to my local church. And I think that's what he's teaching here. And then he goes on, he says, So there may food, be food in my house, test me in this. Now, there is no other place in Scripture where I find that God actually says, test me. He says, put it to the test. And just see if I will not care for you. Now, this is not about works, okay? This is a response to grace. This is not about paying my way into heaven. This is not about buying indulgences. This is not about earning God's favor. It's none of those things. He's already loved you with an incredible, unconditional love. He's already given his life for you on the cross. That's what Jesus was doing. He was expressing that love. He was redeeming you back. This is the response to 
grace and the grace of God in my life. So test me in this. Now, three years ago, for the very first time, we did something around here. Um, Some of you were here. Many of you were not here three years ago. Um, It was called Try the Tithe. And we we just tell people, do exactly what God says. Test him. Just make a commitment for the next three months, just for three months, make the commitment to set aside as a priority, planning in your budget, 10% of your income, and just see what God will do. Now, 2% giving is good. If you're doing nothing, 2% giving is good. 5% giving is good. 7% giving is good. But it seems to me, as I read scripture, and as best I can understand it, the, the test becomes with the whole tithe. It's the 10%. And that's a big, big step. But people have found how God's economy works in all this. And it really, really does. And so in a couple of weeks, we're going to give you an opportunity, if you haven't done this yet, to try the tithe. We're going to ask you to prayerfully think about and plan for and, and, and then take that step of faith and see what God will do. Let me just read you an email that I got from the last time we did this. I actually got this email a year ago, but I saved it. Um, Dear Ken and Northgate staff, two years ago, I began the challenge, and I tried the tithe for the first time in my life, even though I'd been a Christ follower my whole life. At first, it was so easy. I had a good job. My finances were in order. I didn't really understand what the fuss was all about and why it was considered such an act of faith and obedience. Well, God knows when to teach his kids a good lesson. My position was eliminated from my place of business. And I was left wondering where and when my next paycheck would come along. I chose to remain faithful to my tithing, trusting that God would be faithful in return. It was the first time I can remember genuinely not being worried about my finances. And trust me, I probably should have been worried. But as God's timing always is, a wonderful new job came at the perfect time. I was so excited and so amazed to see how God was taking care of me and my finances. Then I learned that based on the pay schedule of my new employer, I would have to go a month and a half without any pay again at all. I decided to stay faithful in my tithe, though to be honest, it wasn't quite as easy the second time around. I wondered if I would be able to pay my mortgage and if I would be able to eat anything other than peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and ramen noodles again. But once again, God showed up on time and in a big way. Not only did money show up in time to pay my bills, it was far more than I had anticipated. God is so faithful and has been incredibly growing in my faith during this process. When I saw my paycheck, I actually thought, wow, now I can give even more. This never would have been the case had I not made the commitment to try the tithe. Thank you for the challenge, support, and encouragement. My life and my relationship with God has been blessed because of making the tithe planned, a priority, and proportional. And I could tell you story after story after story of people who took that step of faith, trusted God, and he proved faithful. Because here's the whole point in all of it, because there is a point to the tithe. It's written about in Deuteronomy. Look at what he says. The purpose of tithing, there's a purpose behind it, the purpose of tithing is to teach you To teach you what? To always put God first in your lives. See, that's the ultimate thing that God wants. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. But your heart always follows your money, so that's why you do it. And what happens is you're putting God first in your life. And when you put God first in your life, 
everything else falls into place. Would you bow your heads with me? So today I've been primarily speaking to Christ followers. And if you're not a Christ follower, maybe this is your first time at Northgate, and you go, oh, yeah, I show up at church, and they're talking about money. But this really is biblical principles for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. We have said we are trusting him with every area of our life, and this is an important area that he wants us to be free. So if you are a Christ follower, I want to stretch you. I want to challenge your faith. I want you to prayerfully consider and think about this whole thing. Learn to live a generous life. Make that commitment. Make that decision. Follow through on it. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, one of the things that we do every week is we want to give people a chance to follow him. And, and it may be that you came in here today and nothing that I talked about has anything to do with what God is speaking to your heart. But God has been speaking to your heart. And what he's saying to you is it's time for you to trust. It's time for you to recognize that doing life your way is not working out. And you just need to put your trust in me. Again, it's not about buying your way into heaven or paying your way or earning your way. It's simply a matter of trust. And if you've never done that today, I want to give you an opportunity to take a first step of faith. And it's simply an admission, God, I cannot do this life on my own. And I have enough mistakes and failures and sin in my life to prove that. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I want to follow you with my life. And if you've never done that before, but today God's been speaking to your heart about that first step of faith, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. And very simply do it this. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to put my trust in him. I need his forgiveness. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I want to lead you just in a short prayer. And really, this prayer is a prayer for all of us. It's simply this, Lord, here I am with my faults, with my failures, my mistakes, my sin, my mismanagement of my life not to mention my finances. And I, and I can't do this on my own. I got enough experience to know that's for sure. So what I need is what you did for me on the cross. Would you forgive me? Would you restore me? Would you renew me? Would, would, would you teach me how to follow you with every aspect of my life? Today, I'm letting go. Today, I'm putting my life in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You